Hello and welcome to the 63rd episode of Total Pod Mode, your weekly comedy gaming podcast. Apologies for the drop in my usual audio quality this week, as I am currently on the road travelling as part of a planned holiday spa retreat. Ooh, very fancy. Okay, you're uh, piping up a little early this week. Um, I'm hosting this week, and uh, I haven't finished with the introduction, so if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, sorry, mate, you're right, you're right. <clears throat> my name is Will, and I also go by Hoodafunk, and I'm joined here by my good friend, co-host, and fellow gaming enthusiast, James, a.k.a. Mr. Bames. You can speak now, James. What's going on, you awfully astute addicts? Ah, so man, how are you feeling after last week? Did your reverse manicure or whatever it was you said go okay? That manicure was a real eye-opener for me, actually. And it really did make me painfully aware that these therapy sessions are just spinning out of control. Wow, uh, took you long enough. Go on then, what did this one entail? I mean, look at this mess. He burned my fingernails off with children's birthday candles. Oh no. And they were the ones that keep lighting themselves again after you try and blow them out. It was an absolute nightmare trying to put them out. Okay, firstly, you and I need to have a serious talk when you're back, but f**k me, that sounds painful as. How are you so calm right now? I'd be f**king livid, mate. Well, I was always guessing some of Donnie's cruel and unusual methods were part of the therapeutic process. But after we took this spa retreat away for the week... And what was initially advertised to me as an acupuncture session actually ended up just being lying on a rack of knives and it really finally put things into perspective. Acupuncture with knives? Man, Donnie really has it out for you. I I don't know how you're only just seeing it. What could you have done to make him hate you so much? I mean, you've only known the motherfucker four weeks. Well, this is what I've been trying to tell you, man. Uh... One second, Donnie. I'll tell you when to come in. There's actually a reason I'm keeping him outside this week. I got curious after the blade torture. I mean, therapy. And so I went rummaging in his luggage. And guess what I found? Do tell. I found a diary. Like a little black notebook that Donnie's obviously been keeping for years. Or at least, apparently so, from what I've read. You read his diary?! Man, that is such an invasion of privacy. I can't believe you do such a thing. Go on, what did it say? Well, it turns out there was a reason that Donnie took on this job for free. And why all these therapy sessions seemed a lot more like torture. Yeah, seemed. You remember that bucket of blood that I mentioned last week that I've been using to help me survive this whole ordeal? Yes, the one that you just found randomly last year while you were having thumb issues. It turns out that Donnie has also been looking for a bucket of blood. One that crazily sounds exactly like the one I stole. I mean, I found last year. Now you mention it, I do recall you saying it wasn't all your blood. Are you telling me that it's Donnie's blood in the bucket? Of course not, man. Don't be silly. But his diary told me that most of the blood in there was his cat's. His cat? Are you sure that's right? I mean, I've seen the bucket and it does seem a lot of blood for a single cat. And what do you mean by mostly? I don't know what other bloods he keeps in there. But like I said, the diary said it's mostly his cats. It turns out his cat died last year when it ran into the road after a postman stepped on its tail and ended up getting hit by a van carrying a cargo load of pet treats and supplies. That's f***ing brutal, man. The poor kitty. 
It did miraculously survive the impact of the van, though. Well, that's, uh, that's something, I guess. Unfortunately, it didn't make it past the hordes of dogs who came running from all over at the sound of, like, a thousand squeaky toys and rubber chickens all going off at once. Man, that sounds, well, hilarious, actually. But it doesn't explain why the cat's blood was in a bucket. Well, it turns out that Donny was able to collect most of the blood in his trusty blood bucket, and he was about to head to the vet when the bucket suddenly and uh, mysteriously ended up in my possession. (sighs) Yes, I remember that part of the story very well. Did the diary say what the blood was going to be used for? I mean... The cat doesn't sound like it's coming back, no matter how much blood you throw at it. Well, from my understanding, he actually was hoping that the vet would be able to help it somehow. But that's besides the point. As I made my escape, I I mean, as I walked home, that bloody psychopath. Two minutes, Donny, not longer. That bloody insane person managed to catch a glimpse of me as I turned the corner. If he saw you take the bucket... Why didn't he follow you and explain the situation? Well, I assume he was preoccupied with the dozens of dogs who, following their feline appetizer, were still pretty hungry and ready for their main course. But that's still besides the point. So, what is the point? When I signed up on the dark web for protection, I never in a million years realised that Donnie would recognise my profile picture and use it to track me down. They have profile pics on the dark web? They do on only scams. Okay, so let me get this straight. Donnie sees your pick on the dark web, poses as a bodyguard and answers your advert for protection and stuff, just so that he can get revenge on you for stealing his deceased cat's blood, which is a year old at this point. (laughs) Crazy as it sounds, that's about the gist of it, yeah. Well, damn, that is a lot to unpack. Anyways, listen, man, I suppose I'll bring him in now. He's getting really impatient this week, and I'm still a little on edge that Shaman Bro could make an appearance, even out here on the road. Come in, Donny. Hey, Donny, what's up? You enjoying the sun? Uh, It's been four weeks, man. When will you learn? He doesn't like being spoken to, and now I'm going to be paying for your mistakes. Ah, I'm sorry, man. But we really do have a show to be getting on with. This intro's been really long. We certainly do. So, uh, coming up this episode, we've got our weekly regular games catch-up, followed by the weekly gaming news, where we talk a record-breaking release, brand new news of a fan-favourite follow-up, and old news of a fumbled f**k-up. We, as always, at this point in the year, conclude the episode with coverage of the Weekly Games Challenge, where this week you can find out how I fared in my challenge set by James. Let's move on to the socials. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. 
You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pop Mode or one word. And whilst you're there, you can find me at Mr. Bames. And I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. And you can find me at Hoodafunk on X. And I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. Okay, so this week, man, as I mentioned previously, I've actually been on the road and traveling quite a bit. I found very, very little time in between therapy sessions to actually squeeze in any real time into gaming between that and the games challenge this week. I've been a busy man. So I'm yeah. going to hand this one over to you. Oh, fair enough. I mean, understandable. Sounds like you've been through the ring at this last week or so. So uh, I don't have too much to talk about either, really. Um, Pretty much carrying on from last week where I mentioned that I'd um, purchased myself Baldur's Gate 3 as a result of uh, needing to not play Lords of the Fallen straight after Liza P. I've basically been focusing on that. Oh, brilliant. Okay. I've been looking forward to hearing how you get on. It's been really, really fun, man. I've started again a whole bunch of times because that's what I do. Of course. Yeah. I eventually had my character Evil Wizard, as I said on the last show, and uh, I got stuck in. I actually basically finished Act 1. Okay. At least okay. my understanding is I basically finished Act 1. I think there's three acts. I mean, I've heard that this game has, you know, over 100 hours worth of gameplay in it. So what's the point of reference there? Well, the point of reference has since changed because I then got to there and then I did the most me thing ever and I started again again because I decided I wasn't evil enough. Okay. <laughs> okay. But at that point, I think it was about somewhere in the 12 to 20 hour region. I know that's a big range, but I can't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah. So it's still a meaty bit of gameplay in there and just the early act. I assume there's probably a short prologue as well. A very short tutorial level. And then, yeah, you're sort of just let loose on the world and you can do things in kind of whatever order you want in a way. And there's a really mm. interesting mechanic at work, which I only discovered because I've started again and I'm now on a different playthrough where I'm no longer a wizard, by the way. I'm now evil warlock, just proper leaning into it. Uh, and that mechanic is that depending on what time of day and which day you're on that you go to certain places, you can get different cutscenes, different intros to the quests, different quests altogether sometimes, which is really neat. Okay, okay. That sounds interesting. And explain to me what's the difference between a wizard and a warlock. So a wizard is basic spell card that has sort of intelligence spells as its main force because intelligence is the stat that all of its saving throws scale with for attacking with spells at least. Wizards can get a lot more spells than warlocks can. They can learn spells off scrolls but you have to pay gold for it. Um, And they have a a separate selection of spells in the warlock and the warlock scales with charisma for its spell casting. Okay. It's a bit more melee focused in the sense of it starts with light armor and a, a few more weapon types so it's sort of spec for both has a much smaller selection of spells to choose from but they get quite powerful the trade-off is higher charisma is funner for like intimidation stuff when you're being evil and whatnot so it just makes it mm, a little easier mm. i'm finding with the warlock that certainly early game my spell casting is just as powerful if not a little bit more powerful because you can unlock boons okay. on eldritch blast which is a cantrip so you can just use it over and over again which makes it hella useful i'm using a drow so i've got rapier proficiency so scales with decks so i can have quite a high decks and quite a high charisma and uh, it's just a bit more fun and i'm being a lot more evil the second time around because it turns out i'd started going soft because I did my usual RPG thing of wanting to know what everything is. And it's like, no, dude, this is a role-play game. You have to get properly into it and be an evil motherfucker. And I am being. Yeah, and be pretty hedonistic in your approach, I imagine, as well. Even just engaging or going down certain paths might tweak you towards a more positive option, maybe? Do you just need to kind of ignore certain things to maintain being a badass? 
There are certain things that you do, yes. And I mentioned intimidation checks just now. Even some of them sometimes can lead to a less evil outcome. So you have to be very careful. And uh, I am save scumming quite a lot, I've got to say. Right, okay, okay, but, um, yeah, yeah. You're playing this like one of those old Goosebump books, but you're keeping bookmarks on the choice before you made it. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, so not not so much on roles, because I like the story to evolve organically like that. Yeah. And you have initiative and things like that that you can unlock to retake roles. But if I've done something and it ends up with a choice that I'm not happy with because it's too quote-unquote good, I might reload to a previous save so I can get back there and maybe ex experiment with something else, see if it's more evil. Just ensure that you've got the most yeah. evil option. I like exactly. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're doing kind of like a pure renegade playthrough, but it's this one is just a, a pure self of the moral compass. It's pure dickhead approach. mode, basically. I don't think this game's yeah. really designed for an evil playthrough, except for on one of the special origin starters that you can use, which is called the Dark Urge. I don't know, man. I saw a guy uh, kick a squirrel. Oh, I did that, but... yeah. Yeah, I've done that bit. <laughs> Do you always take on such terrifying foes? What I mean by that is that um, I feel like there's more stuff to do if you're good. Like, I'm fairly sure by you'd pick an evil option already i've closed off a quest line that would have lasted through all three acts with a certain npc the game's still new enough that i don't want to say anything so i accidentally read this and read it so it's a bit of a spoiler but um fine yeah i did i did i've done some hilarious things being evil uh, the, the kicking a squirrel one is is dark but it is very funny you know you can do some quite dark stuff like you can get a child killed and just like not do anything about it what in the deepest hell is wrong with you yeah okay things yeah, like yeah. that um does it follow a D&D mechanic where you can do things so out of character of your person that you almost have to realign their moral compass, whether they're uh, sort of light or dark? Do you have a role like that? Or is it just kind of like a meter that fills up and down like in a traditional video game? It's actually neither. There's no, um, or what you call, what would you, what's that thing? What would you call Morality that meter. There's no morality yeah, yeah, system yeah. in the game as such. It's purely decision-based and contextual to whatever you're currently doing. It'll have implications, but you're not considered good or bad because of it. You'll just have people reacting to how good or bad you've been in the given situation. Is that about right? Something like that, but more so every single action you take in the game has a consequence. But yeah. you don't have, like, you know, I'm not lawful good, for example. I'm not chaotic evil. There's not, You don't choose that. And you don't have to stick to it like in older games like Neverwinter Nights 2 and things like that. Right, okay. People know what you're like and... Yeah, yeah. There's still repercussions for being an absolute dick or a pariah of goodness, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very fun. And uh, there's so much more of this game that I need to explore. And doing the evil playthrough first was a good choice because I definitely want to do a good playthrough. I've barely played the game in terms of the storyline and things. I can already tell that I'm going to want to play a good playthrough after this. Like I said last week, I'm really jealous of the fact that you've got hands on this game. I'm really looking forward to being back and I honestly might cave and pick this one up for myself, i got to say. Just to kind of experience some of the things that you're talking about it sounds like a really good time if you like DD &D and you like good writing funny writing and really good character work you'll love this game it's, it's a very very fun time so far do you have any love for any of the characters that you've got at the moment i'm hearing that there's a lot of love on the internet for a guy called is it altarian is that his name andarian he's a, like a white-haired elf he's, he's a guy. yeah he's a vampire yeah, a vampire elf right yeah, yeah, he's a rogue you pick up and he's because he's um, uh, an evil companion. He likes you doing like bloodthirsty things. He's constantly in my party. Great laugh. Nice, Very fun. Nice. And I really like the first companion you sort of meet in the game. Uh, she's a Githyanki called Lazel. 
She's kind of in the grey area. I'm sorry, I can't just skip over that. What's a githyanki? <laughs> if that's what you said. Visually, it's somewhere between an orc and a bat, kind of. Okay. But but okay. they're kind of like green, really skinny people with like bat noses, kind of pointy ears with like knobbly bits all over them. Cool, cool. Okay. Yeah. So there's some unusual races in this as well. That's really neat to hear. Well, they're, they're sort of old school Dungeons and Dragons races that have been around quite a while. It's nothing, not really. Just been missing from kind of like the modern day RPG things. Like you expect there to be all you expect there to be various kinds of elves and things but those are the sort of the races that have been forgotten for a while in popular culture well yeah they're they're sword coast specific is my understanding and this is sort of all set on the dungeons and dragons sword coast styly lore right yes so i remember them from neverwinter nights 2 which is probably my favorite one of these types of games that i played before but uh you know i don't want to call it too early because i haven't put as much time into this as i did neverwinter nights 2 but this is going to challenge it i think you think okay it's a nice. lot more modern, obviously, but it's, it yeah. is very good. I can see exactly why people are talking about it as sort of a game of the year contender. Uh, I think it's definitely up there from the little I've played. I'm not prepared to put it as my favourite game this year so far because Lies of Peace still happened and it was still excellent. But uh, I think I'm going to really enjoy this and I might even see me out the year this one because there's that much replayability. It's that big a game. I'm looking forward to getting more into it. It's going to be great. Nice. And I haven't heard you say a bad word about it so far. So uh, looking forward to hearing how you get on with it. I could say one bad thing, but it doesn't happen very often. So it's it's kind of me really looking for one. But um, sometimes the companion pathfinding can be a bit janky because it has a jump mechanic. So you can jump up certain things and find secret areas and things like that. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes the pathfinding of your group companions can lead to them not jumping over the chasm you've then walked off a little bit and they try and follow you on their side and get stuck oh okay okay uh but it it happens so infrequently and if you're just patient and wait for everyone to jump over before you start moving you can avoid it really easily but other than that i really don't have anything bad to say about this game so far but apart from that i have played uh, very little else so that's about me done for the catch over this week man it sounds like we're ready to move on to this week's gaming news So, up first this week, Super Mario Bros. Wonder breaks a major sales record. Nintendo fan favourite Mario has broken records once again, this time announced by Nintendo Europe via their X-Feed, which goes on to say, In its first three days on sale, Super Mario Bros. Wonder has become the fastest selling Super Mario game ever in Europe. A huge thanks to everyone who helped make this a wonderful launch. The fastest selling Super Mario game ever in Europe. Yeah, I know, that is really saying something, considering that this is actually a 2D title, and as far as I'm concerned, Mario has kind of since moved on from 2D titles. They they go back and they have like a a side series that's constantly running across in the form of the Super Mario Bros. series. They've had them on the Wii U and things like that, various iterations, but as far as I'm concerned, the mainline iteration of Mario is currently sitting on Mario Odyssey, uh, which released on the Switch years ago at this point. And if it's smashed that record, then that's really cool to hear. I think this is a really good marker of uh, a game that could potentially even be in the running, whether we agree it or not, for a Game of the Year award, given some of the reviews that are coming out about it now and some of the positive opinions I've been reading on the internet. I don't disagree with that statement, but the only thing is, when we're saying it's the fastest selling Super Mario game ever in Europe, how did it do in Japan? Do we know? Because that's probably the real marker of how good it is, right? 
I think that it's so global at this point that you would have to take it into context on a global scale to really get that idea of where it's interesting that they have specified in Europe. Like, I don't disagree with it. Like, I think that's an excellent achievement. And as you say, it's a huge global phenomenon is Mario. I guess it is a factor that they haven't actually announced that it's the fastest selling game on their Nintendo America or the Nintendo Japan accounts. Yeah. Um, so this clearly is a Europe centric article, but uh, no, it's interesting news otherwise. And the reviews for this game really are glowing they've got um they've got nine out of ten by nintendo live ten out of ten by game blog five stars by Eurogamer, and uh probably most importantly a 9.5 out of 10 by ign italia and if there's one thing i know about italians is that they all have an absolutely deep-seated fondness and spiritual connection with mario oh no i'm not touching that with a barge pole i have italian <laughs> friends <laughs> so do i <laughs> <laughs> So everything I've seen of this game so far seems like they've really taken it up a notch since the last iteration of the Super Mario Bros. series on the Switch, uh, which I think was at that point really just an updated version of it on the Wii U. It looks like they've really implemented some new things in here, albeit it has received some criticism for not including certain player favorite characters from the Mario franchise so far. There has been a lot of positive reception, however, to the new mechanics that the game has implemented. And one of the heaviest marketed ones is, of course, the fact that your playable character can turn into an elephant, which I assume adds a fair few different new dynamics to puzzles. Yeah, a bit of water spraying, maybe. Maybe you could shoot peanuts out of the trunk. Maybe. Who knows? I think either way, it's definitely going to make traversing these tight plumbing tubes a lot more difficult. And it looks like they've actually acknowledged that in the uh, in some of the promotional material that we've seen so far as well. Love that graphic. This looks to be a really solid one, and this might just be another one of those Nintendo exclusives that I can't resist the urge to pick up. Got a lot of things that you're really wanting to pick up at the moment, man. Going to have to get a priority list together. There's always an ever-lengthening list. Always. Okay, man, I think it's about time we moved on to our second article of the day. Today, October 27th, marks the release of Alan Wake 2, nearly 15 years after its predecessor first arrived in stores. The original Alan Wake saw favour with fans with its Stephen King-esque psychological horror story, and according to the game's creative director, Remedy Entertainment's Sam Lake, the second game will be survival horror, unlike the first game, which he described as more of an action game with horror elements. Yeah, that tracks from what I've seen, the limited Alan Wake footage I've seen. Yes, kind of kind of actiony, yeah. lots of explosions, good times. Lots and lots of enemies to fight as well yeah. fairly early on, which always kind of takes a lot of the suspense out of it. Yeah. With a lot more effective horror games, they always make you wait for the first bad guy. And in my limited experience of playing Alan Wake, they really, it, it's kind of, it feels more of a like Resident Evil 4. Yeah. You just kind of wander into a barn and start getting guys. Yeah, yeah. So the game encompasses roughly 12 to 13 hours of actual gameplay within your initial playthrough. It includes two playable characters that you can switch in and out of between the campaign. And obviously there will be certain sections that one of the characters has to do or vice versa. Most interesting to me, New Game Plus mode actually features an alternative story, which is really interesting to hear and is very reminiscent of some of the Resident Evil games there as well, where you kind of need to play a story differently to get the true ending. You'll be playing two playthroughs, although this one encompasses having two characters playable at the same time through both playthroughs, I assume. 
Yeah, you think, right? I'm seeing that this game has actually received quite a few favorable reviews. Uh, so far, it's sitting on an 88% on Metacritic. It's been rated 9 out of 10 on IGN and even 10 out of 10 on GameStop. And most of the reviews there have been praising it for its in-depth survival horror mechanics, the absolutely fantastic graphics of the game, and just the overall storytelling of the game as well. A lot of people have been giving it praise for that. I think that a lot of people are really happy to have seen Alan Wake resurrected. There was a cliffhanger ending in the original game, which has finally been picked up. So fans of the original series are just stoked that that's happened Yeah, that's good. in the first place. I think, uh, you know, it's never good to end on a cliffhanger ending and uh, the game never gets picked up after that. I'm looking at you, PsyOps, Mindgate Conspiracy. Where are you at, number two? <laughs> That's all very good, man, and it's really nice to hear, and I'm sure it is great for the fans to have the series resurrected and get all that sorted. However, I can't help but notice here that our friends over at Game Run only scored it a 5 out of 10. Yeah, this is really the uh, surprising wildcard, and I did actually have to do a double take when I pulled this up myself. The reviews for Game Run are actually pretty disparaging. They mention things like a, a disappointing story. Uh, they didn't find that it particularly, you know, served the reviewer's tastes. Uh, again, a lot of, I uh, will say, the negative criticisms about this game are pretty subjective um they also mentioned that some areas are confusing to navigate in the game something that is perhaps less subjective and more objective is frustrating technical problems in the game there were glitches and things like that while they were progressing puzzles uh, a few issues that they bumped into which meant that they lost progress i think one of the worst issues resulted in them losing about 30 minutes of gameplay or so i read from the review that's not ideal so some yeah far less than ideal issues however um that is just one reviewer uh yeah. if, if other game people are rating it highly then it'd be interesting to see whether they just had a bad case of it yeah it happens this is one for me that again it, it stands out as another game that i'd quite like to play although certainly one that i'm perhaps not going to go out of my way to play especially given some of the less favorable reviews that i've read in terms of the technical problems yeah. this is for sure one that i'm more than happy to wait for it to uh to come down a little price or at least for the bugs to be ironed out before i engage in this one i think yeah, it does sound right up your street this one but when you told me that you hadn't really played much of the first one i thought that would probably be your reaction maybe even get a twofer get the first one as well i think th i think that honestly might be it because when i saw the trailers for this one it looked way more appealing to me i could tell that they were going for a bit more of a slow approach so that immediately jumped out to me as something that i wanted to check out i think i would probably take it from the direction that if i were to pick these up i'd play the second one and then go back and play the first one as weird as that sounds considering yeah. it ends on a cliffhanger yeah. i think that i want to play the good one first really and then i'll go back if i'm interested enough to figure out what happened before fair i mean i think the first one reviewed pretty well as well so you might enjoy that too but i know what you mean you you want the more horror game one first because that's more your street it did i think the issue with the first one is it actually released i believe on the same day as the original red dead redemption Oh, really? So That's it brave. was just completely <laughs> in the shadow of the release of that game. Yeah. And for quite some time it was as well. But sales eventually picked up. It gained more of a wider cult following. And then from there, I think that's how this game finally got conceived and made. 15 years after its predecessor. Probably a lot of that also owing to the success of Control as well, which is the other title made by Remedy that has um, seen various iterations on various consoles and is pretty celebrated as being a good game. I enjoyed it anyway for the short time that I played it. Okay, man, I think it's about time that we moved on to our third and final article of this week. 
this one coming from an article from PC Gamer. Unity's disastrously unpopular fees were rushed out, according to anonymous sources. No. Yes, James, it's exactly as we've been speculating. Last month, Unity, one of the biggest game engines, tried to push out a massively controversial change to the way it does business. Namely, a retroactive fee taken from the developers for every install of a game, no matter how that install happened. Nonsense. This whole debacle led to Unity's now former CEO, John Ricciello, Standing down from his position. <laughs> Standing down, yeah. We won't go into that again because we've already made the joke, but yeah. Well, I mean, he wasn't exactly a rock star in the dev community either, having had to apologise previously for calling players f***ing idiots while he was talking about game monetization. What a guy. According to a set of anonymous industry sources from Mobile Gamer, those changes intended by Unity weren't even well thought out to begin with. I could have told you that. A meeting between Unity managers reportedly had plenty sounding the warning bells early on. At least someone in there had sense. The article goes on to say, Half of the people in that meeting said that this model is too complicated, it's not going to be well received, and we should talk to people before we do this. They obviously did have conversations with people, but not enough. We had this meeting and were told it was happening, but we were not told the date. And then before we knew it, it was out there. Mm. It's also thought that the fumbled policy change was a result of dipping share prices, which were down 11% when the company laid off around 600 employees back in May of this year. Story gets better and better, doesn't it? It does, yeah. The tale unfolds yeah. and again adds to that larger picture of the game industry being in somewhat of a mucky place at the moment. Resorting to these tactics, I think, is uh, is something that has got a lot of developers concerned as well because this could just be the beginning of more invasive pricing policies like that and engine owners trying to squeeze out more of a profit from the games that wind up being successful on their platforms. Yeah, I don't like this. I don't like it at all. I'm not sure that I like the company sort of being like, oh yeah, yeah, we we thought it was a bad idea, but then it just happened. It's like, A, you're trying to cover your ass, and B, it makes you sound really inept. It's just not a good look either way. Yeah, they have to have considered that as well, that doing this sounds like someone is just kind of pulling the reins yeah. here and making renegade decisions. Yeah, like a simple, yeah, we f***ed up, we won't do that again, we're sorry, would have sufficed. Don't need all this, oh yeah, man, we, we told him not to do it, but he went ahead and did it anyway. But then he left of his own accord, we didn't sack him. God, come on now. Yeah, it, it adds to the kind of the, the massive amount of backpedaling they've done on all of these decisions. Yeah. There's a whole lot of pieces to this, and uh, this is just kind of like a nice way to top it off, really, is we've got the confirmation that we always knew it was going to be. I just wonder what the further implications are for Unity going forwards. You know, are developers going to want to be pairing with this company, partnering with this company, and then being subject to any further cost measures that they might be talking about? This may well have just been a finger in the air, and uh, that finger got snapped off. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, But, you know, who's not to say that uh, further things like this will be coming out in a softer, more palatable form down the line. Exactly, or incrementally. Yeah. I mean, that was actually one of the concerns that got raised very initially with this, is is where is the limit? And is there some sort of guarantee that you won't suddenly raise the fee um, yeah. after a certain amount of years or a certain amount of sales? All to be ironed out, but at least common sense is prevailing for now. Okay, man, that's the news wrapped up for this week. It's time to move on to the... A Games Challenge! So, James, 
Last week, your challenge to me was to play Pokemon Legends Arceus and catch myself two shiny Pokemon whilst exploring the environment. Yes. These Pokemon had to be unique Pokemon. I wasn't allowed to double up or catch a double of a shiny. More for kind of, I suppose, making things interesting yeah. sake than any other really reason. I don't think there was any real difficulty uh, intended in that. No, statistically, it would have been the same chance, but I just thought spice it up a little bit, you know. So, man, that was the challenge. Talk to me. How did you get on? So uh, this week, man, I've got to say that I was rushing my way through this game, desperately trying to figure out the best methods for actually catching the most Pokemon. I did jump onto YouTube fairly quickly and I was looking up ways that you can increase your chances. Just for a bit of perspective, catching a Pokemon out in the wild under a shiny chance is something like a 0.02 chance of it spawning as a shiny. It's roughly 1 in 4,500-ish. No, it's 1 in 4,096 or 94. Right. 4,100 basically. Which equates to roughly Mm. 0.02% of a, a chance of getting that. The way to increase the chance of a shiny Pokemon spawning by 30 times, although that does still result in a 0.6% chance of a Pokemon spawning, is to wait for these events called mass outbreaks. Uh, These events become available after you've progressed to a certain point in the mission, which at that point I thankfully had, and I had two areas unlocked in the game as well, which meant that there was two areas in the game that each time you enter or leave and you go back to the Jubilee Village, whenever you go to leave again, a dice roll occurs and there's a 20% chance that each of those locations will have a mass outbreak occur yes at that point a mass outbreak means that when you go onto your map you'll see a certain pokemon listed you need to go to that location and this outbreak is really less of an outbreak and more of just kind of like a very small gathering of pokemon (laughs) it's basically 20 pokemon in total that come out in groups of four i don't even think that it's a guaranteed 20 i think it's up to 20 but i've had as low as like 10 i think as well spawn it's not a guaranteed 20 And the way that it works is you are done with seeing all of the new Pokemon when there is less than four Pokemon remaining. Yeah. Because at that point, you've exhausted the amount of tries you've got of catching a shiny. And just for context, um, we mentioned earlier that it's one in roughly 4,100 for a shiny just generally. In these outbreaks, it's more like one in 158 or something like that. So it's still not great. Yeah. But it's way better. And those odds actually sound more favorable when you put it as a, instead it's a 0.6% chance. It's like a sub 1% chance. Yeah, yeah. In my head, I find that easier to like conceptualize just how much of a lottery it felt like. One in 158 almost sounds like <laughs> I would be tempted to take. That sounds a lot better in my head. And you're absolutely right. Where I've read the stats from, it was all done in fractions. Right, okay, and I didn't okay. bother working out the percentage. So that's why I'm saying it like that, because you're absolutely right. 0.6% sounds a lot worse than one in 158, even though they're the same thing. <laughs> so, so, I mean, if listeners aren't getting, uh, you know, enough of a message already, the odds of finding these Pokemon, and I will absolutely absolutely give it to James he was right in saying last week's episode it's much less of a difficult task finding them in gen 6 onwards Arceus included yeah uh, compared to some of the older games where you'd be trying to catch shinies however it's still a very slim chance of you catching one of these things although there are ways to increase the rate further but most of them are either at end game or require such a massive grind that it's probably not feasible in a challenge of a week that's right as well yeah I think a lot of them require completing your pokedex which ultimately results in you having to capture a lot of pokemon battle a lot of pokemon and then capture them 
with certain prerequisites like finding one that is heavy or capturing one while you're in stealth mode. Yeah, or beat this one with the certain move type exactly. or things like that, yeah. yeah. And each Pokemon has different entries and it would have been a ball lake. All right if you've been playing through naturally and have some of them anyway, but to actually grind for it, you could have done it, but it would have taken enough time that it might have made that the rest was, of it a yeah. bit untenable. And then you have to find that Pokemon as a shiny as well in an outbreak. The odds of that are just ridiculous. And I mean, really, again, to put it in perspective, these aren't like drastically increasing your odds if you fill out all of these things. Yeah. The only thing in the game that makes a huge difference in terms of catching shinies is when you get the shiny charm, which you need to get by completing everything in your Pokedex. Yeah. So that is uh, like a whole other level of achievement there. Yeah, that's like maybe get that done by the end of the year if you played nothing else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So um, this challenge... Uh, as I mentioned, the best way to unlock these Pokemon is to wait for these mass outbreaks. So that was, for the most part, what I set about doing. A lot of the game was entering the area that I wanted to, regardless of what it was. And at this point, um, I'll give a quick shout out to Shiny Catherine on YouTube. That was the YouTube video of choice that I watched that guided me through the very specific technique of the best way to increase your chances of getting mass outbreaks and therefore catching a Shiny. Uh, so the way to do this is to enter any area of your choosing and the majority of the time just before you leave the guard at the gate says be safe on your travels kid see you when you get back as i mentioned before there's a 20 percent chance of those mass outbreaks spawning if it doesn't spawn you just need to travel back to the village and then go back to the guard gatesman and leave again and pray that your dice roll lands what I was finding by using this technique, it was between roughly 10 to 20 times that I had to do this in order to get a mass outbreak. Now, obviously, statistically, that's not quite right. There were times when I would come back from a mass outbreak and just have another one immediately, but they were far and few between in comparison to the times where even sometimes I'd just sit down and I'll play this game and think, you know, I'm just feeling lucky today. <laughs> and then it's like 20 times leaving and returning with no mass outbreaks that I was thinking, oh my God, okay, today is actually cursed. Yeah. Um, I really need to <laughs> just put this game down <laughs> for the day. So I can actually alleviate some of that because I have a slight reveal at this point. I was, even though I'd done a lot of research, I was still a little bit unsure of some of the stats I'd done last week. So I actually did this challenge a little bit myself as well. And Will is absolutely correct when he says that if you go through the route of checking the guard, nothing happens, go back to your bed, sleep for another day, go back to the guard, hit and hope. You can be stuck in loops where like, I genuinely didn't get it for like 30 goes in a row or something one time. Like, yeah, it's it's really, if the luck isn't with you, it's tough. I'm probably over-exaggerating, but it, it was a lot, right? Yeah. Um, but I actually did find a way to seemingly increase the chances and also not have downtime. And I'd be interested to know if you did the same thing. So it works in a similar vein. If you go to the guard and there's no outbreak, you still leave. I was going to the first area of the entire game because I know yeah. there's a good spot there where you can do a bit of a circuit and you can just see a load of Geodude, like probably yes, 30 or yeah. 40 Geodude. So what I'd do is, regardless of what the guard said, I'd go to that camp, I'd do a lap of the Geodude ring, I'll call it, and that actually leads you back to one of the camps you unlock really nicely in just a nice circle. If there were no shiny Geodudes, I'd then return to camp and go back to the village via the professor. If the guy says there's still no outbreak, rinse, repeat, and that way you don't have as much downtime because you could still potentially run into a Geodude. You're not just staring at a loading screen exactly. until you get the message that you want. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is pretty much much exactly echoing my experience as yeah. well is initially for many hours many many hours at least 
I want to say eight painful hours was just me refreshing the world via traveling back to Jubilife, not doing the loop and just heading um, straight to the area, praying that I get this mass outbreak. They were happening fairly frequently. And then you're so thankful that you finally got the opportunity to do it. And then just attending these mass outbreaks and going through anywhere between sort of 12 to 20 Pokemon and finding no shiny and then knowing that all you have ahead of you is quitting out of the game, loading your previous save so you didn't waste those however many Pokeballs you just threw, (laughs) and then going back and doing the same thing again and again and again. (laughs) (laughs) But worth noting with that strat as well, you can't just save before the one outbreak and hit and hope each time and reset because the seed saves as well. Even if you just quit the game to save your Pokeballs like Will does, you can't just try again. You have to go back to the village and reset it. So I believe actually before a certain update, you were able to do something similar to that where you could actually re-roll the outbreaks. But with the advent of a new DLC, they included these massive mass outbreaks, which adds a whole nother level to this mechanic that is very much an end game mechanic of the game. But at that point, once they added those to the game they also stopped you being able to grind out shinies quite as easily just by cheesing these mass outbreaks it now becomes very much a thing where if that instance of that mass outbreak doesn't have a shiny in its queue of pokemon then you're out of luck yeah back to the drawing board wait for another one exactly and i eventually did adopt the method where i found a very good route i found a waypoint actually that was constantly guiding me to the very beginning of the starting area yeah. and i would always spawn at the heights camp so i got into this very quick loop of running through and that was the way that i was doing it i was kind of alternating i was occasionally doing the loop i was occasionally coming back and refreshing it a bit because you know there were sometimes where it happened there's sometimes where it wasn't it was kind of like a mixed model but i've got to say that at this point in the challenge i was really struggling with motivation i'm, I'm not a huge Pokemon fan. I, I I pick up the games and I do try and get into them and I, I kind of enjoy them in brief periods that I do play them. But I've never had to do a challenge like this where the odds felt so stacked against me and doing it for so long, sitting through loading screen after loading yeah. screen. It was painful. I just had podcasts on in the background because I couldn't, like, it's too distracting to watch something and yeah. do it. You'd like, you end up doubling the length of time, you know? So I would just sit there with a podcast on and just plug my way through uh, this challenge for hours at a time. I think when I actually got set the challenge, I decided I'm just going to stay up until I catch a shiny. I stayed up until like, like half two in the morning trying to <laughs> capture a goddamn shiny well I, at this point i've got to call out something i said last week as well i said some spaces of the internet said that you could get a shiny every hour if you put your mind to it and now that is true that is out there on the internet but i would have called out that article as being bollocks because <laughs> as i say i tried i sort of did this chat i didn't do the whole week i must admit some life got in the way i had some issues with my car and work was quite heavy this week but, you know, I, I played the game for seven and a half hours in total up till about Tuesday. So Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, a bit of it. And whoever wrote the article saying that you can find a shiny in one hour either didn't really specifically say, oh, by the way, yeah, I've got the shiny token and I've, you know, it's dead easy for me. Yeah. yeah. Or, or they were smoking some crack when they wrote that article. Oh, oh I'm oh, sorry. Oh, Did you get addicted to crack? Did somebody get addicted to crack? Oh, oh, oh. Because that is bollocks. 
Or they were just blessed with the luck of the gods. Yeah, know, that's one also the- true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I want to um, call myself out for quoting such nonsense. I've got to say, um, the Monster Hunter Challenge was a one that was a grind, um, but it was a grind that I enjoyed. This one was was like the opposite of that. Yeah. Like, um, it was a grind, yeah, but you hated every minute of it. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Especially after, you know, I started off positively. I didn't, you know, I wasn't dreading going into this challenge after I hit that eight-hour wall, and I was thinking, I'm doing the math in my head. I haven't seen a single goddamn shiny. I haven't even yeah. f- like just seen one and then failed a shiny encounter. Yeah, oh, that would be heartbreaking. Well, I mean, what's really important to do is to disable auto-saving in this game. Yep. Because if you yep. do scare away a Pokemon, that just gets saved out of existence. So you do need to, before every time you leave the camp, really, if you want to have the best chance Drop of doing save. it, you've got to save. Because at least at that point, if you get halfway down that path and you bump into that shiny Geodude then you do finally... It's there uh, every time. Yeah, it's there and you can just quit out the game, turn off the game, load back in, and then it's back again. Yeah, and Geodude is an example of a good Pokemon to pick, by the way, because it's aggressive. It doesn't run away from you. It'll look for the fight. Yes, yeah, absolutely. That would have been an excellent strategy, unlike f***ing Starly. I had so many Starly outbreaks and I kept f***ing running away from (laughs) Never found a shiny nose. In a way, that can kind of be a good thing, actually, because as well as capturing the Pokemon to refresh them out of the outbreak, scaring them away can be beneficial, but then obviously it comes with the very high risk that it's going to have a shiny. Yeah, exactly. Knocking them out works the same way too. For a long time, actually, on that Geodude ring, I was just going round it, knocking them out, getting all to right. nighttime. Zubat would appear. I'd knock all them out. <laughs> I was just doing loops. It was training some of my Pokemon, so it was all right. Yeah. And that's how yeah. I find the grinds in Pokemon okay. I try and train other stuff while I'm doing it. But I understand entirely if you were just purely shiny hunting, which I did at times too. It, even me as a Poke fan, it's boring. Exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm working with limited resources and trying to minimize any time spent grinding or looking for ingredients to craft. I crafted myself so I had about 60 Pokeballs on hand. And I didn't really feel like I had any to spare at that point, given, you know, the amount that you can sometimes lose on these outbreaks. So I was resetting at every point that I could just to preserve all of my supplies. Because as long as there isn't a shiny chance of getting it, everything has just been wasted up until the next one. At least as far as I was concerned on this challenge. Yeah, and I don't blame you for that at all. I mean, I, I personally carry about... 150 to 200 pokeballs on me at all time right. in, in that game for that very reason because you just you end up spanking it because there's no animation to get into a fight necessarily you're just always in the world lobbing stuff yeah so it's yeah. much easier to just rattle through so speaking of rattling through i suppose i better get on with it after the initial eight hours of the game i continued pretty much in the same vein until roughly hour 13 and i had at that point managed to squeeze in the majority of my playtime before i actually left to go traveling so at that point uh, i was feeling pretty defeated and It wasn't until at the time of recording, a couple of days ago, as I mentioned, roughly 13 or 14 hours into my attempt, I still hadn't found one. But I'm super pleased to say that I finally caught myself. It's funny you mention it, actually, James, a shiny Starly. Woo! Yeah, baby! That's what I've been waiting for. That's what it's all about. Starly, you got a little brown Starly. I did. I got a little brown Starly. Oh, nice. At that point, I was just so elated by even having seen one. It finally came into view for me that, yes, it's been 14 hours, but 
I'm halfway there. That was the feeling is there was no way I had enough time and I didn't have the motivation to put another 14 hours into getting a shiny. But the fact I was halfway there and the fact that that also meant I was one shiny away, victory just felt so close in that moment. And honestly, I felt like I was going to take it through that night. I was like, I am going to do this tonight now. I've got the first one. The luck is with me. (laughs) I need to play. And I honestly, I I had convinced myself at that point that like within the next God knows how many refreshes, I was blessed with luck and I was just going to do it. And I played for like another two hours and got nothing. Got absolutely all so distressing oh yeah dude i know that feeling because this is genuinely true and it sounds like i'm making up but i promise i'm not within the first hour i had a shiny no way you didn't tell me that detail no, literally my first outbreak that i went to that's insane in the first set of four so literally yeah. opening opening round i got myself a shiny scoropi a little red scorpion and uh, right. so i so i had exactly the same thing i was like oh f- Hell, I'll play for another like two hours and I'll have it done and then I can say yeah, to Will what, what yeah. are you on like 14 hours oh yeah mate what are you on I've got it in two mate I was gulping a little bit last week about the challenge and you'd probably yeah. thought that I was tripping at that point but then queue another seven hours it sounds like <laughs> well yeah that was like one in like genuinely probably an hour an hour and 15 minutes and yeah, then yeah and yeah. then um you know I, I'll, I'll not officially my challenge so I can say this I didn't find another one in my next six hours of play so right so okay. I know the fee by that night I thought well yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna get one in the next couple of hours definitely no later than tomorrow and yeah so I know that crushing feeling when it's like I've been doing this for now six or seven times the length of time and I've not even come <laughs> yeah. close like god damn yeah, yeah soul destroying <laughs> But this isn't about me. This isn't about me, though. You're halfway through the week. You're halfway through the challenge. You've had some pretty rough times because you then had the realization that, oh, I might have to do this all over again. How did it go from there? I'll come down and say it now. So after about another, I want to say another solid four hours, it's probably this entire challenge has taken me 18 hours before I just couldn't do it anymore. But I'm so glad to say that 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 was as the result of having caught a second shiny. So really, really pleased to say that I completed the games challenge this week. I would have been gutted, honestly, to lose it, given the amount of time that I put into this one. Realistically, I probably put more time into Monster Hunter, but this felt like I put four times (laughs) as much into Pokemon. That's for sure. I (laughs) understand, yeah. And what was your second shiny? It was a shiny Bidoof. So I have two Pokemon. I have a shiny Starly and a shiny Bidoof. But you know what? It's not about what they look like on the outside. Well, actually, no, that's a complete lie. It's exactly what they look on the outside. That's exactly what this challenge is about. Actually, yeah, there's really nothing else I'm looking for about their their slightly odd pigmentation. But uh, yeah, you know what? I will take them. That shiny Starly, that shiny Bidoof, that's all I needed. Exactly. I'm, I'm proud of them. And you can now never start the game again either. You have to keep them. I have to absolutely keep them because these aren't just like my first and only shiny Pokemon in the challenge. This is my first and only shiny Pokemon in my whole Pokemon career. So. Big moment. And you got two of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Two yeah. of them under my belt now. It's a good start. Yeah. And mate, dude, for context as well, because like I've been playing Pokemon for years and uh, Arceus was the first one I got a shiny in too. Right. Right. So right, it, right. it's literally, I know that feeling. Except I had decades in the bank over you. That's the only difference. No, I'm kind of glad actually that it, it kind of goes to show that there wasn't really any advantage in um, in having the experience of this game. Yeah. 
um, that was another thing that I was concerned about was that this was going to be uh, a challenge for me being unfamiliar with the games but no this was really uh, once you'd found that shiny and provided you'd saved appropriately it was very much just the patience game until you finally caught it but um, yeah this one had a lot more of a, a kind of like a lottery feel to it but the satisfaction get Dark Souls boss out the window forget Elden Ring when you win the lottery twice in the space of say four to five hours of overall gameplay. <laughs> yeah. It was really something. And I honestly I felt super lucky to do that. I think I'm shiny juiced out for a while. Yeah. I need some uh I need some cooldown time, but I'll be I'll be back again maybe. Hell yeah. <laughs> Definitely be back against play Arceus. Uh Just however a shiny while. hunt. Probably not so much. But yeah. There is always a silver lining as far as I'm concerned with these challenges and as difficult as I did find this and as annoying as I did find it, it did teach me about certain mechanics of the game that I will now take using going forward in terms of how these outbreaks work, the probability for finding these shiny Pokemon, the way the alphas are also in that mix. Alphas yeah. have a very similar way of spawning into the game, albeit that the chances of them occurring are higher than shinies. And it also makes me interesting to know, uh, you probably do know, James, are there shiny alphas? I don't know if there are shiny alphas, I'm afraid. Okay. I don't know that. Um, I know that there are certain Pokemon that there are just no shiny versions of in the game. You can't get a shiny any starter for example yes again these are other mechanics that i read about during yeah. the week so exactly but um i don't know about shiny alphas didn't look into that i never seen one though hey wouldn't it have been amazing to walk away with a shiny alpha badoof but yeah. uh honestly I'm, I'm very happy with my regular shiny badoof things have turned full circle after my absolute massive badoof massacre as giratina in my pokemon yeah. platinum nuzlocke also I'm then a really... halloween interestingly <laughs> it was also a halloween yeah. yeah no it really has come full circle yeah um i'm pleased to say that i've now made friends with the Bidoof people and uh, I promise that I'll take real good care of this guy. Yeah, nice one, man. And the most important thing of all, you've managed to open up a lead. You didn't lose the advantage. It is now 4-3. That is true. That is true. Advantages yes. wills. And with that said, James, you have reminded me that it's also my duty this week to set you your gaming challenge. Yeah, playing catch up now. So without further ado, I suppose it's time I get on with it. Your challenge this week, James, is... To defeat one of the haunting event bosses in Call of Duty's DMZ. Ah, these are the ones you talked about in your catch-up last week. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, keeping with the Halloween theme, we are still very much just within Spooky Month, and I figured it was time to squeeze off just one more Halloween-related challenge. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've long gone by the time the next episode airs, but I'll accept. And this one uh, does come with a couple of caveats as well. So, as I mentioned there, you only need to defeat one of those bosses in the haunting event within DMZ. However, the requirement for that is that you do that on your own right i however will allow you to take some friends on this journey if you wish if that is your choice then the challenge ante needs to go up and therefore you need to kill three bosses within that mode right makes sense so this is very much one of those ones where the chaos is injected because you're going to be playing with a lot of other players on the map. There's different tactics that you'll be able to use to either ensure that you kind of wait around a bit until the coast is cleared a little bit, whether you pursue one of these things. If you want to go in with friends, it will mean that you're going to be drawing more attention to yourselves. The difficulty there is going to be more the fact that you've got an increase in terms of the uh, the amount of bosses that you'll need to do. You obviously don't need to do 
all of these bosses within one extraction. You also don't need to survive the extraction. If you go into your DMZ mode into Almazra and you complete the boss, you kill the boss, and then you die either exiting the arena or exiting the main arena and getting killed by other players once you actually try to reach your extraction point, that's totally fine. The challenge is completed at the point where the area boss or whatever it is that you need to do to get the event completion that is the marker for the completion of this challenge okay i'll give it my best shot man you made them sound uh tanky last week but not impossible so i'll let you know i'll get on next week there's definitely a few different ways that you can approach this and uh i'm looking forward to finding out which path you take okay man so that's the games challenge wrapped up for this week you know what you must do go forth my son and kill rip and tear until it is done i shall father i shan't let you down I'll try my best anyway. And with that said, man, it's time to close off the episode. Time to cover the socials one last time. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pop Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You can also find us on X by searching for at Total Pop Mode, or one word. And whilst you're there, you can find me at Mr. Bames. And I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Mr. Bames underscore TPM. And you can find me at Hoodafunk on X. And I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. So man, I've been thinking about this whole Donny situation. And I think I may have a solution that will suit all parties. Oh yeah? What's that? Anything to get me out of this mess, man. It will require you to give up the bucket of blood though. Oh man, no way! I've really grown attached to this thing now. It's like an insanely unsanitary safety net for me. I know, I know, and I'm sorry, but it's the only way. Ugh, fine. What's your plan? I know you don't like him, but I'm going to get in touch with Shaman, bro. I don't know, man. Can we really trust him after everything he did last time? Now come on now. He helped you out when you were in a jam, and I think he can save the day again here. I'll contact him, explain the situation... And then when you and Donnie are back from your spa trip, Donnie can swing by TPMHQ, grab the bucket, and meet Shaman Bro for some occult bullshit that may bring the cat back. That's actually not a bad shout. And surely nothing can go wrong with a plan. But Shaman Bro still doesn't get to be third host. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Donnie gets his cat back, and you stop getting tortured. Everyone's a winner. Okay, Donnie. I know you don't like people talking to you. But maybe you're willing to make an exception just this once? What do you say to this plan? Oh, I think that might be a yes, James. But there is one condition, Donny. No more therapy sessions for Will. I need my co-host back and unharmed. Mostly, at least. Thanks for looking out for me, James. It sounds like Donny agrees to the terms. And with all that sorted, I think we really need to wrap this episode up. So just as a final message to the listeners, as we conclude this spooky month, uh, thank you very much for listening and following along. Hoping to be back to regular scheduling next week. I think the threat of shame and bro has once again passed for another year. Uh, you say threat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, i got to say, I'm still pretty dubious about this whole plan, man. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we've managed to square things off with Donnie, but I still don't quite trust shame and bro just yet. 
Well, once again, it comes down to me to save the day. Trey is saving your ass out of trouble here, even though you got in touch with Saving Boat last time, and I kind of killed Santa. So, moving on. Uh, yeah, let's let's not yeah. play the blame game here. Sorry. Okay, so with all that said, just a last uh, humble request to our listeners to please do drop a like and subscribe on our various content platforms. Uh, It really does make all the difference in terms of increasing our engagement, increasing our spread, and therefore by proxy, increasing the amount of content that we're able to provide. Uh, We're really happy with the way things are going, and we really appreciate all of you. Yep, we really appreciate the support, guys. Once again, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Until then, goodbye.